0: Okay, we all know that content marketing engages and educates potential customers, not to mention helping you show up higher on the search engines. But who are we kidding? The time that it takes to write, design, and publish all that content is like a full time job. That's where Breezy comes in, your new virtual content marketing team. At Breezy, we do all the heavy lifting of digital content marketing so that you can do what you do best your business. Whether you're a consultant, agency, startup, or small business, Breezy is like adding a new department that allows you to scale without all the risk. To learn more, just head over to breezycontent.com. That's B-R-E-E-Z-Y content.com. Breezy, content marketing just got easier. Hey there, everyone. My name is Josh Webb, and welcome to the Startup Sanctuary uh, podcast. This is the show where we talk about the personal side of entrepreneurship uh, because it is so very personal. Um, and uh, so, whether you're you're just starting a business, or you are maybe you're a little scared about your business right now, or you feel like you have no idea what you're doing, or maybe you're a veteran that just loves to hear you know success stories and hear wherever people are at, uh, you are at the right place. Um, so, welcome. Uh, today I have a friend um, that I've known for a really long time, and seriously, is one of uh, the funnest guys I know. You don't have anything funnest to word? Is it more fun? I think it might be more fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he's he's worked all over the startup scene in Atlanta at incubators and labs and associations and uh, all the other things that people put together to to help startups. And uh, and currently he's working as the program lead at uh, HBCU VC. Did I say that right? I know that's, that's probably correct. A long. Yeah. How do you, okay. What's, what's the official, like, put it all out, out of the acronyms? Are you able to uh, do that?
1: Yeah. So it's Historically Black Colleges and Universities and VC, obviously, for Venture Capital. Um, but yeah. Boom. So, but it said HBCUVC.
0: Yeah. I put you on the spot there. You did a good job. Uh, so anyway, w- welcome, Charlton Cunningham, uh, to the show. Uh, hey, man. Welcome.
1: Thank you for having me, Josh. I'm really excited uh, to talk to you and, um, yeah, just share... Uh, about my story, and it's it's been a while since we got to chat. So I'm glad we're getting we're we're using a recorded podcast to catch up.
0: Yeah, I know absolutely. That, that's uh, everybody I've been talking to so far. I was like, it took a pandemic uh, to get you on my show. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, uh, that's that's uh, that's what it sort of feels like to you because you've been you super busy. Um, I had to tell a really quick story. Okay, so uh, I don't want to embarrass you. So the, me and um, me and Charlton worked together uh, at the first agency I had ever created. And, um, and he came in uh, to work as a designer and all this kind of stuff. And he was super entrepreneurial. And so and this is what I, this is what I loved about him. Uh, a super entrepreneur. I remember one time going to him and going, uh, uh, there was some kind of there was some kind of graphic design project or something like that. And uh, I was like, Hey, what you working on? And he was like, I'm working on my brand. <laughs> I, thought was the, I thought it was the funniest <laughs> thing and it was like he was working on like five different businesses uh at the time that he was working which which was really funny and that's just like so characteristic of what most uh entrepreneurs are like which is like it doesn't matter what they're working on they're working on their brand
1: <laughs> you gotta have your. Do you remember that do you remember that oh yeah that's that's one of my like that's one of uh, my favorite stories to tell as well also because i was just like i was honest i wasn't like trying to hide it or anything i was like hey man this is what i'm doing like you asked no, me no you you were you, were, hiding. you were totally
0: <laughs> proud about it you're like hell i work on my brand what do you think and i was like i think it's not what uh, we were working on but it looks good <laughs> <laughs> i learned from that uh, experience awesome. <laughs> uh, well dude, i've loved i mean cuz i've known you for a long time uh, and and we've catch up every once in a while uh, and, and and every i think what's so funny about entrepreneurs is that we every time we'd get together both of us would be working on something different um, it rarely <laughs> was the was the same thing, uh, and we kind of get together and share our our woes or our triumphs. Um, but I, I've loved watching your career. So uh, you know, um, the thing that I've loved about you is that you're so good at building community, especially around um, around ideas. And that's not something people can have ideas, but building a community around ideas is something a, a kind of a different skill set. So can you give me a little bit of an elevator of elevator pitch of of how you got started and and what you've been focused on now?
1: Sure. So the the quick story is um, I graduated um, with an architecture degree in the midst of uh, the recession, the housing, um, you know, during all the housing woes. Uh, oh, so you're like a pro. You're a pro at, that, pro at all this. Exactly. I'm like, oh, I've been through this. This was the second like, recession in 30 years. Like,
0: okay, I, do, cool. I know how <laughs> to handle having no money. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: so yeah so i I graduated with this degree that um I couldn't get a job for, and um I had to like quickly figure out what my you know path in life was going to be um, around that time, people were like, "Whoa, shoot, I don't have a job i let me just pursue my passions and so a lot of you know the entrepreneurship and kind of startup um, life was starting to become a little bit more mainstream, and you know before that it was like if you're an entrepreneur. Uh, that meant sh- you were unemployed, like you didn't have a job. It wasn't cool to be an entrepreneur.
0: Um, I know. I always say that there's a, f- there's a fine line between being an entrepreneur and unemployed. <laughs> exactly.
1: Um, so you're starting to see like a little bit of a culture shift there. Um, but I had a lot of friends and stuff who were um, interested in either starting businesses or starting nonprofits. I mean, this is like early to mid-20s. Everybody was trying to change the world. And so um, I was really passionate about just helping people um, make their ideas happen. And I really quickly noticed that when you put people in a community um, of other folks who had um, pas- similar passions and similar ideas, um, you could go a lot further um, together. And so I created my own uh, community called The Hive or Hive ATL and started having these networking I events. I love The Hive. Inviting... I still have
0: that shirt, by the way. I still have that Sweet. shirt. <laughs> dope, dope. It's, shout like, out it's to like my workout shirt.
1: Shout out to, I think it was Daniel Yarbrough, um, America Clothing, who actually put that together for us. Yeah. So. Um, Yeah. So, and we, yeah, so we um, invited successful entrepreneurs like yourself to come speak uh, to our little group. And we grew that community from like the first event we had 12 people and one of the last events we had, you know, over a hundred. So kind of use the learnings and um, insights um, from that community and parlayed it into kind of startup community building and have been a part of Uh, the startup world ever since and so as you mentioned i've uh, been a part of groups and associations like startup atlanta have helped um venture firms such as shadow ventures doing like helping create community for their portfolio companies helped uh, create a accelerator program within a creative agency and have uh, done a lot of cool work um all with the um, purpose of supporting entrepreneurs and so uh yeah so that's a little bit about um my story, and where I am today is HBCU VC, um, essentially kind of taking everything I've learned and applying it to um, HBCU students, so students from historically black colleges and universities, helping them um, understand what is venture capital and tech entrepreneurship, Um, and we get to do a really cool program with them where they do a two-year fellowship, learn about what does it mean to invest, how do you find great companies, and then they get to actually practice it in their second year where they work with um, companies that they select um, through a process and then support them. And so, um, yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at now. i um, getting kind of to teach that startup community building um, to other people. Um, and it's a, it's a really great place to be in. So
0: dude, that sounds like such a perfect thing for you because i mean <laughs> it's like i feel like 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 literally you could just come up with an idea in the morning and by the end of it uh, everybody would want to be a part of it and you have a whole community around it and that's that I, like i said that's a that's a unique skill usually when i have an idea i have to tell like 12 people uh and convince them that it's not stupid before i actually <laughs> uh can open it up to a community or something like that so uh, you'll, uh let's talk about this for a little second so um, not everybody knows this, but Atlanta is has a thriving uh, startup and tech uh, scene, and you know, and a lot of a lot of cities do, um, but Atlanta's has really um, become uh, pretty pretty special, um, and. Uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about the idea of community and, and why it's so important. Like we have these, we have these little, you know, like Atlanta tech village and, and different places like that. Why, why is community so important when it comes to your business? Because technically it's just you and an idea and it's however you're going to accomplish it. Why, why is community important for that?
1: Yeah. I think community is very important because um, all of us have blind spots and um and so it's it's helpful to, to kind of fill out your blind spots um, when you're working on something and you're super passionate about something, you're super focused on it, you can get attached to um, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so being in a community helps you to refine what you're doing. Um, one, um, also, um, you need community because you need people who've gone before you, right? You need mentors and advisors to help um, speak into what you're doing. Um, and also you need community because at the end of the day you need to give back as well. And so, um, you know, the work that I'm doing now, I get to give back to college students and tell them not to make the same mistakes that I did, frankly. Um, and so, yeah, so essentially just to kind of, I mean, it's oversaid, but it takes a village to like actually make things happen. And, um, it's a, it's a very true thing. And so, um, yeah, I consider community one of the most crucial aspects and like even getting into like, outside of the business, just like self-care and like things like being an entrepreneur is hard and like being able to talk about your struggles and all that, all that stuff, um, being in the midst of a midst of a community, um, makes it easier, um, for you to like get through that, those tough times, um, to, you know, to talk it out. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's probably one of the most crucial things outside of actually having customers, uh, <laughs> to the success of your
0: business. Yeah, no, I, I I totally agree, and it is one of the you're you're totally right that it's amazing how you can convince yourself how important or how good something is, uh, when you don't actually have people that are having to buy it or other people that are looking at it. Uh, it's, it's like so, uh, you're just know, like you're talking yourself into it. Um, well, let me ask you this: the the so right now the the collab spaces. I mean, I assume I haven't been there, but I assume they're pretty empty. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, there's probably not a lot of, yeah, you know, there shouldn't be a lot of in-person, uh, connecting. Are, are you seeing any kind of trends in terms of how people are sticking with that community? Um, you know, uh, now that they can't be, you know, networking in person as much and they can't, you know, be working in collab spaces.
1: Yeah. So I'm seeing a lot of, um, like Slack. So we utilize Slack, um, in our community and we were... Um, at my uh, job, we were already remote, and so we were kind of used to, I mean, we've obviously made some adjustments, but we were already used to, you know, operating and communicating on online, and so I've seen a lot of use of Slack communities um, and just being more engaged, obviously, there. Uh, I see a lot of Zoom or video, like, happy hours or calls, like team buildings, Um And then you're starting to see, I'm starting to see a lot more like actual conferences and um, events summits, like being held all through, um, all through online um, environments. There's actually one I will call out. Um, So I have a friend, uh, his name is Scooter Taylor. He was the founder of a a startup called Look Live, um, which essentially like they take a picture of a celebrity and they are wearing all these clothes. It's like, it will tell you exactly what clothes they were wearing and like, also, like, huh. here's a super ch- a cheaper version of, of if you want to dress like them.
0: Um, oh, my gosh. Can you imagine it like that on me? It would be like Target. That's all I was <laughs> the Target the sale thing. rack. <laughs>
1: um, so he uh, had this idea to create a quarantine conference. So it's called Quarantine Con. And he found this platform called Hopin, H-O-P-I-N um and you can like host this whole conference so he like expected to be able to sign up like you know it was like a free event like okay maybe like 200 people would be interested he ended up getting 4500 people <laughs> to register and oh like be gosh. a part of this um conference and it was really cool so they had like a stage and they also had like breakout rooms that were all digital and then they had this really no cool way yeah they had this really cool networking feature where you could do like Like it would randomly pair you with someone and you could have like a video chat for like three minutes. And then at the end of it, you could be like, there's a button that said exchange info with this person. And so, yeah, so I was like, oh, that's a really cool platform. Um, So, yeah, so you're starting to see people find ways to connect and still have these really um, important connections and dialogues um, digitally.
0: Got it. So that's so. So yeah, because that's that's. There's one thing to have Zoom, but that, that assumes that there's already a meeting together. So it's and that's what I was wondering. And so it's really cool that this network type environment can still happen in in platforms like uh, you said. Hop in. Yeah. Hop in. Yeah. That's awesome. Um. Yeah. That's really really cool. Um. Well, I want to talk a little bit too. Um. Are 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 you seeing are you seeing any trend like are VC conversations still happening like right now or did or, or have you seen everything pause
1: um so i think I actually, I actually just had a conversation um with someone that i work with um in nashville who's an investor and i was asking i was i was literally asking her like the same question i was like what are you seeing from um from vcs from your counterparts um like across the southeast specifically. And you're, I think you're seeing a lot more. So the focus really isn't about getting new deals in, but it's like how can we support our current portfolio? Um, So that's kind of like the number one thing that they're, you know, working through like sales strategy. So basically, like
0: we've already we've already invested in these places. Like let's make sure that they don't go under before they even get started. Is that the idea?
1: Exactly, exactly. Um, And so instead of yeah, so how can we support the companies that we already have? Um, And then you're seeing like investors who've maybe already made an investment on the early stage are thinking of like how can they you know is there a way to do some like bridge funding or bridge round so they can extend the runway of current companies um you are seeing like you know more scrutiny of companies um right now but also there are some companies that are killing it because they are digital first like i mean hop in is literally in beta and they're having a moment right now. There's there's a company yeah, called not anymore Run. Right there there's a there's a startup called Run the World that just got investment um, from A16 or Andreessen Horowitz, um, which was like a how do you create a digital conference? And so they like I don't. know, There was some TechCrunch article that came out in January or February, and I'm like, okay, yeah, they're okay. This like these are the types of companies that people are looking at now. Um, I think yeah. So I think you'll overall you'll see people who were trying to raise a fund have that has all shut down. Right. Um, it's hard mm-hmm. to go to an LP and, and, and ask for money. Um, but um, people who have closed their fund, their, their funds, I mean, they still have to, at the end of the day, they still have to invest that money some like somewhere and somehow. Um, so, yeah, so it's a little bit of a mix, I would say, uh, but I don't know. I think, I think we'll see we'll start to see less of outside of investors, specifically the, the Southeast and kind of they'll look more towards local companies um, where they are. Um, but I think at the same time, you'll, there's this new appreciation for remote work and like work from home um, and like that the whole like investor founder relationships like the new normal is like people are having conversations on Zoom and so. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. There's a lot of there's a lot of things, different things at play. But um, at the end of the day, I think if you if people have already closed their fund, that money still has to go somewhere. So, I mean, at the end of the day, investors need to find a return. And so you can't you can't just, you know, um, what's the parable? You can't just dig a hole and put your coin in and and expect a return. Right
0: yeah absolutely. And uh, I mean I think <clears throat> I think the thing that I'm that that's interesting is that if someone's starting the business and they've, they've been trying to get that fund and they didn't land it, um, right now in this kind of environment, it's like what do they do? They, they, do they just fold or um, or are you seeing are you seeing trends like I, I understand that they're supporting their current funds, but are you seeing any kind of trends in terms of uh, different ways that people are trying to either attract investment or or maybe even going about it without investment? Like, how, how are they continuing right now?
1: Yeah, so a lot of my friends who are founders um, are looking at the SBA loans. They're looking at what's available to them um, on the local level. So here, you know, in Atlanta, Invest Atlanta has some loans that are available. Um, they are looking at uh, if they had any calls or had any conversations with, like, angel investors. Like, um, you know, what can extend their runway because I think everybody's trying to look at the there's gonna there has to be an end right everybody's got to go back outside at some point so like what can extend them three to six months right um, to, let's get to q4 and then you know things can get like back to normal um, so I think they're just kind of looking at what can extend them um, to 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 the point where it's not business as usual, but business kind of gets back to normal uh, so that they can continue. Like
0: I have to tell you this real quick. So I had a dream the other day. No, we'll call it a nightmare. I had a nightmare <laughs> the other day that it's like, okay, this didn't go back to normal, <laughs> which is actually kind of funny. I'm laughing at it. It's not funny if it actually happened, but um, but it was just so unreasonable. So it was like basically my my dream was I woke up, but it was 20 years later. Oh, wow. And we had, and we had never, and, and, and it's it, something had happened where we weren't even allowed to go outside anymore. And so this sounds like a uh, <clears throat> HBO or like Apple TV series. Um, and so we woke up and so basically everybody had stayed in our house as if, it, as if you were never allowed to go like almost like a bomb shelter. And so <laughs> I woke up and my kids, you know, like my oldest is still acting like he's 11 years old, 11 years old, but he's 30 <laughs> and it was, uh, it, it was, uh, interesting. We don't, we had, we had transferred to an agric- uh, agricultural society. Uh, <laughs> this,
1: this, is, cool a, this so, is a vivid dream.
0: It was a vivid dream. And I woke up and I went, wow, we haven't even redecorated. This is probably, <laughs> <laughs> like, this is so I didn't know. I just had to, I had to share with you that dream. So I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, it's all gotta go back to normal unless you're Josh Webb and his dream. Um, be sure to tell me if it does go back to normal so that I don't accidentally stay in my house. Um, <laughs> So let me ask you this: So one of the services I was looking at, you know, obviously I've been looking up some of the things you're doing, and I really loved one of the services you were talking about, which is helping this uh, ideas with the startup of uh, the ecosystem mapping. Um, and so I'm curious, can you tell us a little bit about um, ecosystem mapping? And I, I know it has a lot to do with even what we've been talking about so far, and kind of how you've adapted ecosystem mapping to today, if you even have yet.
1: <laughs> yeah. So ecosystem mapping is all around kind of understanding the resources that are available um so like i mean essentially it's like taking an audit right like what is out there um and when you can audit everything then you can understand like what needs like what what are the gaps and you know where could there you know where could there be some some support but um i am like a nerd around knowing what's new and what's like what especially like in the start in the in the context of a startup um community i love knowing like what the new accelerators are then what the new co-working spaces are opening up and so i love um just cataloging all these resources because um in the back end i'm super passionate about connecting people to um like what can help their business and so um i love i i kind of just do it for, i used to like just do it for fun (laughs) just like all right what where are the list of things that could help people so that in conversations i could be like oh have you heard about these three things that you know this pitch competition this co-working space this community that specific to you and so um yeah and so through my work at startup atlanta we created like a guide to the ecosystem and i created like a format and uh like how a spreadsheet how it all works and we made that into actual booklet um, that we got to print and give away to people. And so um, I'm super passionate about just making sure people know what's available to them. And um, recently I produced something called the Atlanta tech startup guide. And um, that was probably one of the most robust, robust um, like maps and um, guides that I've created. Um, And yeah, so it's, yeah, it's, it's a really, for me, it's like, really cool and just kind of a nerdy thing but it's also super valuable for people um and yeah it's it's always helpful to know because if if you're an actual true entrepreneur founder you don't have time to like know what's really going on your head's down you're working on your business and so it's necessary for there to be people and for there to be resources that are like easy for you to find like okay like this is where i go if i'm working on a fintech um startup or if i'm working in healthcare. like this is like this is who i should talk to because at the end of the day, I'm super passionate about like making sure people don't waste their time and like get the right resources at the right time. Um, and ecosystem mapping like helps that um, at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, it's almost like, in, you know, it's intentional networking is another way we maybe could potentially put it, too. It sounds like because I mean, I think for the most part, um, if you're coming up with something, you kind of just start going on LinkedIn, seeing who you know, maybe you show up at one of these startup uh, you know, uh, networking meetings and try to see if you can meet somebody. Um, but you know, this is, a, it's almost like a speed dating or something like that, that, that you can kind of come in there and, and map out the whole, um, uh, what it all looks like and, and create a strategy for them. Does that, does that sound right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I have these impromptu kind of meetings all the time. Um, I'm just like, Hey, what are you, what are you doing? Who are you? What are you working on? Cool. Do you know this person? Do you know that person? Do you know this resource? Um, That's one of my favorite pastimes is like meeting meeting someone and like sending them an email later with like a list of five resources, Um, because then they're forever indebted to me. No, I'm just kidding. Um.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, but seriously, (laughs) yeah, that's that's awesome, dude. Um, So let me let me ask you this: the um, uh, when somebody is is uh, they they've created their ecosystem, uh, how? How now um, do they uh, apply that to um, finding resources like an investor or, um, like, for for instance, if I've started a if I've started a, a a a company and I'm looking for that person, typically I'm kind of running into that person, or I may ask somebody I, I think is kind of connected. But you have, you have this term that's called you know that you call relationship broking, uh, brokering. And, uh, can you talk a little bit about that and how it kind of fits into the ecosystem? Cause it's one thing I think to co- say, okay, I'm going to meet these 10 people and this is how, I'm, this is how the strategy is going to work. But I think there's another thing with actually getting the relationship, not making it, you know, uh, uh kind of sleazy or, or weird. Um, cause, cause you do want something, but you don't want to take advantage of somebody. So how does, how does that all work? The relationship broken?
1: Yeah. So, at the end of the day, that is all about trust. Um, I remember (laughs) this is actually a funny story. So I remember, I think you wrote me a letter, like after I left, um, my internship at, um, at root radius. Um, and you said that people trust you quickly and that's a, that's an incredible good skill, but it's like, there's also comes with a lot of responsibility. So I've like always held that. Um, and so, yeah, so a lot of relationship, um, brokering or kind of handling uh, these relationships is around built around trust. And uh, for me specifically, I always think about how I can add value to people first before I ever ask them for anything. It's a very, you know, Gary V type um, jab before you write hook. Um, and and so, yeah. And so, yeah. So that's the way I approach it. If you're an uh, entrepreneur, or you're a founder, um, I would always look at yeah who are you know are you one like one degree or two degrees away from someone that can give you an introduction um uh that can give provide some context that's the best way to if you're especially if you're trying to get contact like get in touch with an investor or somebody like that um for me like yeah i i have a bunch of relationships and i'm very protective um of people and making sure yeah making sure they don't feel taken advantage of take advantage of and so i do like A level of vetting around people like you know is this person is their business real is it a scam whatever um but for the most part i um i try to operate not as a gatekeeper but as like a key holder um and i want to give the keys away like to the people who need it, um, as much as possible. Um, and so, yeah, so that's, you know, that's how I view relationships, like with an open hand type of, um, t- type of mentality. Like it's not me, to, it's it's not for me to just make all these relationships and like hold them and be like, Oh cool. Look at me. It's just like, no, no I built relationships for other people because <laughs> so that when they need them, um, I can like make that, uh, make that connection and, and, and kind of broker that relationship.
0: Got it. Let me, let me ask you this. The, when, with uh, organizations you've seen or startups you've seen, um, has it been better to go through like a, a VC company, or or is it better? Has it been better to kind of put some people together that they can all uh, kind of put their money in a pot? Like what what has been the most um, I would say fruitful type scenarios that you've seen like that? Because w- I'm sure it's pretty competitive in terms of trying to get those dollars, right? So is it, you know, uh, a lot of times I think there there's a a bootstrap way that you can create these businesses. But what what have you seen as been kind of the, the most successful way to go to go about funding and 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 even knowing if you even need it.
1: Yeah, so I would say so VC isn't for everyone and you know, it's less than I think 1% or something ridiculous actually of companies actually get it and so those are the hardest do- dollars to raise, and you have to think um, if you're trying to if you're trying to figure out if you need um, venture capital, um, you sh- you have to ask yourself how big of a business are you trying to build? Uh, if you're not looking to build a hundred million dollar or Billion dollar company, then you probably don't need venture capital because they're looking for huge returns. They're looking for a, mm-hmm. hopefully a ten x on their um, on their investment, and so um, yeah. So yeah, it de- like they're not a, they're not a
0: bookie. They're probably not going to come break your legs, but for the most part, you're getting into a pretty big commitment, right? <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly. Because I mean, if you don't, I mean, if your company goes under, they lose everything, and so they're very protective about that money. Um, I would say bootstrap if you can like if you can retain as much of all of your equity do that like bootstrap get customers like revenue like build a business like (laughs) at some point in you know the the startup and entrepreneur life like having customers and like (laughs) building a, a real business like got left by the wayside for like oh these big like funding rounds but i think bootstrap is always the best way to go um but also getting us a, a small round table of, you know, friends and family or um, some influential individuals in your life that can, can put a little bit of money into what you're, you're building. I think is another great way because you have those, those are the people that are like, you can call for advice and um, that are kind of willing to like jump in and, and help you where, uh, where they can. And so I've seen um, folks who've, who've connected with like maybe a small round table of six individuals who've uh, put some money into their business. And and that'd be really great because then they'll they'll help market and they'll like send, you know, they'll help send it, send it to the friends that they know. And so that's another thing I think would be a, a great uh, a great funding route if, if available to you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I know one thing, I, my, and my opinions changed on this, I think over the years, because I, I used to be a big just like, let's put together the whole pitch. Let's go find the right people. And, and let's kind of talk them into it. But my opinions changed a little bit where it's it's sort of more about now it's like, you really need that, that MVP, that minimal viable product um, to, to number one, you don't even know if your theory is really right. Um, and the idea that you can talk somebody into something and, and then get them to give you money. And especially if you're a good salesman, like you may be able to do that. Um, but you, you don't have any actual customers yet. you maybe don't actually have a product yet. And I, and I realize that that can be a lot simpler for, for people that maybe have a service based business or, uh, for people that, uh, don't require, um, you know a lot of physical goods that they or, or equipment they have to have around, but I, I just now it's it's sort of like I, you know as I've started a few businesses now it's it's really more of a case of okay I got a theory I'm going to throw something together as quick as possible and I'm going to put it in front of people and see if they'll give me any money exactly and if they won't you don't have a business yet <laughs> right <laughs>
1: yeah I think uh, I think the best um, definition of a startup is. It's an idea in search of like a business a idea, search of a revenue model or a business model. Like, it's it's an idea until you figure out how you how you get people to actually pay for the service. And so, um, yeah, that's why you can't get attached to you know ideas or solutions. Like, things will change. Like, if you want to build a business, um, the product might change. Whatever you in your mind you thought was going to work, it it doesn't work until someone decides. Oh yeah, I'll pay for that. So yeah, you definitely have to to. Put together an MVP and get it out there as quickly as possible. Um, if you're really, you know, passionate about building something that people want,
0: right, right, absolutely. So, can you talk a little bit about? Um, I, I want to go back um, to the work that you're doing right now. Um, and, uh, you know, can you, can you talk about some of the specific things you're doing as a, as a program lead, um, in terms of, you know, preparing, uh, you know, preparing, uh, we'll call them your, your students or participants to, uh, to be part of, uh, of the startup community. Um, are, are they actually working on projects? Are these real projects? Like talk a little bit more about, about that and, and how it's helping.
1: Sure. So, um, I'll go into our, our VC fellowship and then talk a little bit about, my exact focus and so uh the vc fellowship i uh, gave a little bit of background there but so the first year as they're, they're learning about kind of how to be an investor they're learning the ins and outs the second year they're actually it's what we call our venture capital clinic and so you know you think about you know someone who's becoming a nurse they learn about it and then they're like actually go into the field and so in that second year they we have something called our venture lab where we um, solicit applications for companies to do like small grants. Um, it's basically like a eight week program, um, and they come in and we figure out assess where they are at. You know what, where, what level their business is at, and then what, you know, who do they need to connect to. You know what, um, what strategies or what you know business development they need um, in that time, and so. Our students um, in their second year of the fellowship, they kind of run that whole program. And so they are the ones who, you know, whittle down the application list and select who they want to, and, you know, um, who, who they want to admit into that uh, that venture lab. And then they work, they have like weekly partner calls where they um, come together as a group and talk about, you know, how the companies are doing. They are both, they're all assigned to a company. Uh, so that they really like get hands on experience about what does it look like? To select a company, but also to support them after, um, after the initial investment, um, and so a lot of the training that we've given to our students um, is kind of what is like kind of our proprietary, you know, model. It's like you know what we're known for, and so in the work that I do specifically is working with city-based um, part doing working with our city-based partners. We created a program in LA called the Pledge LA, um, VC's internship. And so we worked with, um, the city of LA and Annenberg foundation. Uh, the city of LA had already created something, a pledge called the, um, called Pledge LA, where the tech leaders and the venture capital community came together and said, Hey, we really want, um, this tech community to reflect the creativity and diversity of Los Angeles. Um, you know, you can look at the numbers of, uh, black and brown folks who are you know, investors who are um, in venture capital, and it's it's not great, and you know it's probably less than two percent, and it it hmm. it reflects the amount of funding that um, you know women and and um, black and Latinx founders are getting, which is right around two percent as well. And so, um, and through that program, we are. Call. We are intentionally um, calling out and trying to get underrepresented minorities uh, to be a part of an inter- a ten week internship. So we do two weeks of like the same kind of uh, VC training. Um, they learn about you know due diligence, due diligence, financial modeling, and then eight weeks they get paired with a Los Angeles based investor and and work with them for the summer. And so yeah, and so that one um, we're really excited because we get to. Um, connect those, those students to the actual VCs and they get to do work with them, but we also get to bring them together as a cohort cohort, and do um, additional programming and, and things like that. And so, um, yeah, so, you know, we are really focused on get, giving them hands-on experience and really having that experiential learning because that's where you really, like, when you're sitting in the chair, that's when you really understand, like, how things work. Other, you know, other than like reading a book or, you know, reading a blog or anything right. like that. And so, yeah. So, yeah. So that's kind of the work that I get to do. And I'm very excited about it. And, you know, hopefully. Are you, are
0: you running into VC firms that are, uh, sorry to interrupt you, you're, you're running into VC, VC firms that are are taking diversity as kind of a, an important thing? Or are they just looking at the idea?
1: Uh, so, yeah. So I would say over the past five years, you're starting to see. And it's, I mean, it's obviously been happening a, a, a lot longer than that, but over the past five years, it's been what they call lens investing. And so um, some venture capital firms have like a, like a, a female founder lens. So they're looking for um, startup teams that are either, you know, founded or co-founded by a woman. And though, you know, actually there has been some, um, some research around like, You know, if you have a woman on your founding team that they perform better. And so that's like the lens that Mm -hmm. they take Um, and some and then there are some uh, newer funds. Um, One comes to mind, Harlem Capital. in New York where they, they take that same kind of female focus and also kind of minority underrepresented founder focus. And so they kind of look at investing through that lens. Um, and so, yeah, so you're starting to see that a little bit uh, a little bit more. And I think at the end of the day, um, you know that if you have a, a more diverse team that you'll have better outcomes altogether. And so I think people are coming around to that. Like it's just a good business decision.
0: Got it. So not only is it is it about... Um... The, the VC firms trying to look at a, uh, a, a diverse uh, you know a portfolio, essentially. But it's also about potentially the team that you choose to build your product actually being pretty diverse as well so that you even look better to the VC firms. Is that is that correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And even all the way down and, you know, so looking at the teams, but then conversely, I know some startup teams who are like, they want to make sure their cap table. So all the investors are also representative, are, are diverse as well. Um, I think, When people talk about, you know, so we're, it's 2020 now. When people talk about what does 2040 look like, you know, the makeup of America will look very different. Um, There's something called the new majority, right? And so in 2040, it'll be more, it'll be
0: majority people of color, right? Um, Charlton, I already told you in 2040, I'm going to be in my house with all my kids. I've already laid this out. And the inside will have not changed.
1: (laughs) Um, so, yeah, so I think people are looking at this future well, where, you know, the nation will be more diverse and more representative of everyone. And so, like, what does it look like to to start to implement these changes and so, um, th- so you're, that you're not b- left behind? Like, <laughs> be inclusive now so that when, you know, the, the, the nation is looks, you know, more diverse, that company's are more reflect are, are more reflective of that that vc firm is more reflective of that um, i think that's just kind of the natural way that we should be thinking about things
0: yeah that's that's really that's a really interesting thing especially going back to the uh, the ecosystem mapping and uh, the relationship brokering is is not even just going do you know anybody but it's it, it's also do you know somebody who's different than you who's going to have a different opinion than you Uh, That looks different than you, that sounds different than you and can overall create a a more uh, balanced um, and diverse kind of team for you. I think that, that looking at the whole thing that way actually makes a ton of sense. And, uh, yeah, and so I think, again, going back to kind of the service you provide, I think, in terms of uh, ecosystem uh, ecosystem mapping, I think it makes a lot of sense in looking at that as a lens. Because, you know, honestly, I just wasn't I wasn't thinking about it. You think about a bunch of different lenses, but sometimes you don't necessarily think about that unless it's right in front of you or you're you're being intentional about it. So that's really awesome.
1: Yeah, and I think it it even ties back to, you know, when I was the importance of community is that everyone has blind spots. <laughs> and so it's important to yep. fill out those blind spots, um, with, yeah, people with different perspectives than you. And, um, the more you do that, the more you can reach more people because, you know, you who you are, like who you are, your background, the way you grew up, that's one point of view. But if you're representative of a lot of different, um, a lot of different walks of life, then, um, you can build a product that speaks to more people, build a business that speaks to more people and, at the end of the day, hopefully, make more money.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, well, hey, if if somebody wants to learn a little bit more about what you do um, or follow you, where where would they where would they go? Uh,
1: so they can follow me on Twitter at Charlton underscore eighty seven, or um, if you're interested in what we're doing at HBCUVC, uh, you can send me an email at Charlton at HBCU um, And yeah, I'm happy to connect with anyone on LinkedIn as well, Charleston Cunningham.
0: Yeah, man, uh, dude, thanks so much. Uh, man, we tried to make video work today and it didn't work. I, I hate that, but, uh, I'm really glad that we got to, uh, we got to have the the conversation anyway. So uh, I really, really appreciate you taking the time and kind of sharing every single thing. I don't know if every single thing, but a lot of what you've learned. Uh, so I, I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming, man.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. i I really enjoyed, um, being a part of this and I'm excited to continue listening. I think this is great.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, thanks everybody for uh, for listening to this episode. Uh, listen, if you liked this episode, maybe even if you didn't, just be nice, be charitable. Um, we'd love for you to subscribe um, wherever you're watching or listening. And then also, um, if you uh, if you know somebody that would love to hear this uh, episode, or maybe needs to hear something a little bit more about VC or, or di- uh, diversity as it comes to startups, um, then go ahead and share th- this episode with them. Um, yeah, they got plenty of time; they can listen to a they can listen to a podcast right now. Um, and of course, if you want to know more about how advisory group can help your startup uh, realize their unique vision and then you can check us out at uh, webadvisorygroup.com that's web with two b's advisorygroup.com and uh, thank you so much uh, for being here today we're going to continue to post we're going to continue to try to do uh to, try to do video podcasts but uh well, worst case scenario we're definitely going to be on audio and uh hey guys um stay healthy um and uh stay positive because uh as much as stuff is uncertain right now and as much as everything a little bit scary uh you know i, I, I love the idea of naive optimism that's really about the only thing we got going uh, right now that can us that way so uh, thanks a lot and we'll talk to you next time Okay, this year, I'm going to write a blog post a week. Um, or maybe once a month.
2: I'm going to post on all of our social media platforms every day this week. Wait, how do you use this program again? Ugh, forget it.
0: I have a great idea for a piece of content that's going to get me leads. Maybe if I dedicate a whole week to it, I'll get it done. Ugh, who am I kidding? I need a whole team for this.
2: We all know content marketing engages and educates potential customers, not to mention helping you show up higher on search engines. But who are we kidding? The time that it takes you to write, design, and publish all that content is a full-time job.
0: Welcome to Breezy, your new virtual content marketing team. At Breezy, we do all the heavy lifting of digital content marketing so that you can do what you do best, your business. Whether you're a consultant, agency, startup, or small business, Breezy is like adding a new department that allows you to scale without all the risk.
2: How do we do it? We call it the content machine. First, you get your very own content creator. They will meet with you every month to plan out your content calendar and strategically create content that works towards your business goals. Next, they handle all of the writing, design, and publishing of that month's content. Finally, you get a comprehensive dashboard that lets you know how your content is working and what the plan is for the next month.
0: Stop procrastinating and get all that expertise out of your head so that you can build up a resource library and look like you own the internet.
2: Make content marketing a breeze with Breezy.